is Sean from Make Them Suffer, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for joining our podcast today on Interview Under Fire. Big month up ahead for you guys. Uh, I'm going to start off with the obvious. How are you? How have things been for you and your band as of late? Um, and how has everything been since our lives have pretty much changed from, what is it, March? We're already three months into this craziness, and, you know, it's yeah. it's kind of the norm right now. Yeah, um, it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, like, when um, it was first, well, we were in the middle of a tour when we had to basically go home because um, Trump announced that the U.S. was closing all their borders, and so we were on the tour yeah. with people in Europe. And so we had to can that with, like, two weeks to go. There was a bunch of sold out shows in the back end of the tour through and through the UK and everything. And so we were super bummed out about having to leave that. And then um, since getting back home, I mean, it's been um, kind of kind of nice to like isolate a little bit. Like I, I was living in Melbourne um, and unfortunately my, my lease expired right around that time. And the place that I was working, um, which was like a construction type job that uh, because it was just the, the business owner of the hotel essentially was employing me. I was the only um, contractor. And um, because the hotel was starting to go down, basically, um, they yeah. weren't getting it. So they couldn't afford to contract me anymore. So basically, I've gone back home to Perth. I was, uh, I've been staying with, like, I stayed with mum for, like, a month or two. Or, and then, you know, I stayed with dad. She must have liked that, right? <laughs> hey? She liked that, didn't she? Like, having her oh. son home and everything? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I liked it. It was really cool because, I mean having moved, moved to Melbourne just beforehand, you know, I didn't really get much of a chance to sort of, I mean, you know, it's very difficult to stay in touch with your folks and stuff like that when you're, um, you know, living in a different uh, city and stuff. So yeah, it was nice to spend time with the family and everything. And, um, now we've just been, um, sending a few ideas back and forth, doing a bit of writing. I'm in the studio, um, recording something that is not for make them suffer, but just for, okay. I mean, I guess, and, um, what, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, the other, the other annoying thing was that the, uh, album release was pushed back and it's just been, the date of release has just been getting shuffled around and it's been a little bit frustrating for us because it was originally meant to come out on June 5th and then they pushed it back to July 24th and now it's July 19th, I think, is the like online release, but I'm not sure. Some people have already oh, so they they change it again, huh? Yep, yep. They pushed it forward a little bit because people had actually already started receiving their um, physical copies, which was just a massive miscommunication between nothing to do with us, but I don't know, um, label and uh, the merch retail outlet and whatever it was. So yeah, I'm not sure, but. Anyway, it's coming out, and I'm really stoked for everyone to hear it. So, <laughs> real quick, you're talking about okay. You were talking about re you were working on some music that was not related to Make Them Suffer. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you are you able to spoil anything, or is this uh, something nah, you're I'm, having I'm, as a surprise? Remember, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm going to even release <laughs> it or anything like that. It's just maybe for my personal enjoyment. Um, a little That's bit. That's okay. It's it's in it's in the more sort of like rock realm, I guess. But yeah. Man, I wonder, man, now you got me intrigued, you know, all the fans would be listening to this and be like, man, what else does Sean have under his sleeve? This is, this pandemic's like bringing out a whole different side of us that we may have not noticed before. Now, um, 
so you covered so many topics just on that answer alone. Yeah, so yeah. the album release. Now there are bands that have been affected by the album release. You know, uh, I had no, you know, I had no idea that you guys moved it a few times already until yeah. it was finally cemented. You know, there are bands like Lamb of God and Enslaved, like the other bands they've they've been moving it back. Now yeah. bef- during this, I guess once the lockdowns first started initiating back in March, did that ever cross your mind? Because when it came to sticking uh, to the schedule or moving it, because we've seen bands, for example, Trivium and Black Dahlia Murder, they've actually thrived off of this by sticking to the schedule. I think they're actually on like the top 10 or top 20 or something on like metal lists, like throughout the world. There are a few lists about that, but, you know, some bands have benefited off of that. So I wonder, you know, well, did, certainly did that I think, cost, yeah. like, for example, the music video that we put up for Erase Me has yeah. um, a lot of traction on it and i think that that may be in part to do with the fact that you know everyone's at home at their computers kind of um you know waiting for content to come out um for us i mean we didn't really it wasn't kind of like our we basically with shifting around the dates and stuff it was more kind of like us you know having conversations with the record label and management and and them kind of going hey it might be smarter if we do this because supposedly there was an issue with the supply chains of getting the actual physical copies out around that time um because obviously some people couldn't come into work around that time and so they felt as if the um the printing of the actual physical copies of the cd may be delayed which is what led for our decision to push it back in the first place but i mean we kind of yeah, we didn't. Re- we were kind of a little bit out of the equation. We were just like, all right, you know, management label, you guys handle it, whatever. <laughs> we'll just take your advice, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. So being stuck at home, like we all are, like we just talked about, how are you keeping up with your vocals? I'm. Do you? I'm assuming you live. You live in a place where you can just belt out and go out as much as you want without the neighbors yelling or anything like that. <laughs> um, well, my mum. When I was staying at my mum's, she lives in the in the countryside. Um, so I was able to practice there, but I've been. Um, mostly practicing, like, you know, um, screen, uh, singing and, like, you know, belting singing and stuff like that, which is, I guess, the loud thing. But I haven't really been doing too much <laughs> screaming. I've been trying to improve my singing, basically. So, yeah, she's been hearing a lot of that. But, I mean, nothing that <laughs> That's good. Me, like, you know, when I was first learning to scream when I was, like, 17 or something like that, she would, you know, I'd, I'd probably... <laughs> I used to scream until like, you know, one or two in the morning because I was a bit of a night owl in my rebellious high school years and stuff. Nice. And she'd go, is everything all right in there? <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, she's she's used to it and she's super supportive of, of the band and everything. And, you know, I was super stoked that she was able to put me out for the um, two months or whatever that I was there. Um, but, yeah, essentially I'm just doing a lot of singing at the moment, I guess, and writing and trying to get better at guitar as well. Um, that's always the thing. But yeah, Nice. Awesome. Well, hey, you're in the countryside, so you go for it, man. I mean, all yeah. that, a lot of, uh, I think that's the solitude that you get out there that you may not have yet yeah. in, the, in the city, you know? That's right. And I, that's, I, I could have stayed, um, like, at a friend's place in the city and stuff, but I just thought it was probably better for, um, yeah, for, for, like, being creative and um, also just being healthy as well. You know, there's a lot more fresh air out there. You can go for lovely walks and... Um, Mum's got a veggie patch, so you can um, utilize that and eat a lot of healthy um, fruits and veggies, which is always nice. So, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Does this pandemic, now that you're home, does it, does it open up new things for you personally and artistically that you may have not noticed before about yourself? Um, well, yeah, in, in short, yes, because um, 
I didn't really have that much confidence in um, certain aspects of myself creatively in terms of, um, you know, songwriting and um, singing and stuff. And now I've uh, had the time to kind of focus on, on that a little more and try and hone it. And um, I'm sort of surprising myself at a lot of, a lot of um, corners here and there. So it's been, it's been That's pretty good. cool. Yeah. yeah. So you've been at this for 12 years, probably even more than that. And, you know, now that we talked about you guys just found out everything while you were on tour with, I, I believe it was with After the Burial, correct? Yeah. That's yeah. Right. You know, and on top of that, you guys have played with Whitechapel, Jopper Cowboy, Architects, Fit for a King, like it, the list goes on. Mm. Now, what was your favorite part about touring in general? Because now that, you know, you've kind of just taken an unseen step back, does it, you know, kind of exhale and kind of look at the picture from from the back and does it give you a growing appreciation for the tour life now because there's food culture fans so many subjects to cover when it comes to musician touring like the world which is pretty much you guys have been doing what was your yeah. favorite part about it oh um that's a difficult question uh i mean i guess i think the most important i mean i'm the guy that's always sleeping until you know three in the afternoon sort of thing so sometimes <laughs> that's I'll okay <laughs> Sometimes other guys will go and, um, you know, they're doing a lot of sightseeing and checking out a bunch of stuff. Like, for example, uh, I've, we've played Paris, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight times. I've never seen the Eiffel Tower. And I just, I just, I, I don't do a lot of sightseeing. So Fans, me, you've heard it here first, whoever's listening. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, the enjoyment for me comes more from, um, I guess, um, talking, to the, talking to the fans and the people and um, just... It's, it's just interesting how, um, you know, certain um, people and cities and places just have like a certain culture and different customs and stuff like that. And that's kind of what I've um, found the most rewarding, um, particularly when you play uh, places where, you know, the currency is not very strong or something like that. And they're often so thankful um, that you've, you know, made the trip to, to, to get there and to play for them and stuff. And so, yeah. Um, it's been, uh, I guess that aspect of it has in some ways been pretty eye-opening. Um, obviously, it's great um, socializing and hanging out with the other bands, but um, as I've kind of um, yeah, gotten a little bit older, I guess, it's, it's become harder and harder for me to like, keep, like, be super social and keep up the party lifestyle. So usually I'm pretty, I'll, you know, I'll have one, one or two um, big nights on tour where we all sort of hang out. But um, generally speaking, I spend a lot of time like, um, yeah, in bed or just in the green room, just chilling. And then I'm always usually the one at the merch table as well. So, you know, playing the show and then going straight to the merch table, like that takes it out of you in itself. Like that's a pretty big, it's, it's quite, can be quite draining and, and rough on your throat as well after you've just performed and then to have to yell over the merch table over the top of all this music and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, these days I don't really... Um, party as much as I used to on the tours. So it's just more about kind of like, you know, performing the best we possibly can and um, enjoying it as much as we can while being kind of an adult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely, it's forcing <laughs> us to grow up, I guess, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. Well, now we talked about the world. Do you have a favorite spot that you may have uh, eaten at that you really, that just, you can recall at the top of your head? Oh, that's so, I mean, I, I, I don't actually know the name of the place, but there was this one specific uh, ramen place we went to in um, Japan. It was in an, 
quite a northern city in Japan. I can't even remember the name of the city, unfortunately. It all kind of blends into one, unfortunately. But yeah, this ramen place was absolutely nuts. And we all, we ate there. And then about, like, we were stuffed. You know, ramen is a very filling meal. Yeah, of course. And then, like, we played the show. And then right after the show, we decided to get it again, which was only, like, five hours <laughs> or something like that. And we could barely fit in the second bowl. But we just, like, had to because we were going to go the next day. And we all said it was probably the best meal we've ever had. So... Yeah, probably that ramen place, although I'm sorry that I can't remember the name of it or the city it was in. <laughs> if anyone's listening to this, whoever saw Make Them Suffer in Japan, if you guys can recall that restaurant, whichever restaurant it was, what venue <laughs> it was, uh, that, should be a, that should be a good hint. Now, yeah. one popular thing that artists have been doing, I'm sure you've seen it yourself regarding how much time we've spent on social media, bands have been going this new, I don't want to say new thing, live streaming, you know? Oh, yeah. um, some bands have done... You know the live shows. We we had we had Insomnium on our show a couple weeks ago, and they were one of the first bands to take initiative to. They I, I believe they I believe they sold virtual tickets online, and oh, yeah. uh, fans bought it, and they tuned into the live stream. Of course, they had some technical difficulties in between, but the point is, you as a musician, do you think, do you think the quarantine induced live streaming surge that's going on right now is it going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? Mm. Um, um, well, no, I don't think it's going to affect, um, yeah, the live the live music industry at all. I mean, there's no supplement, I think, for, um, you know, watching a band live. Um, you can't, especially for our genre, like, you need to hear the, the hiss and hum of the amps and, like, feel the, you know, the vibe of the venue, like the room has a sound as well. And to, you know, be there with other people, like-minded people that all like the same music as you, the, the culture, the atmosphere, everything about it. Like that's something that cannot be replicated through a live stream. And I totally take my um, hat off to the bands that are doing that. That's awesome. It's probably not something that um, we would ever do. I think just because logistically, I don't think enough of us have kind of the right setup to kind of get that working. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I'm hoping it doesn't kill the live music industry because I hope we're going to be doing a lot of touring and this uh, when um, you know the, the restrictions are lifted and everything. So, yeah, but uh, um, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't foresee it. I mean, for certain, I think for certain genres and stuff, maybe maybe more so, where like the live room sound is not as much of a, as a fa of a factor. Um, so you can always I mean, march in your room. <laughs> Hey, you can always mosh in your room, but I guess that's not the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, live loopers and stuff like that that are doing it on stream, like that, those channels are really taking off. And I think that's a really like, you know, live streaming is a really great medium for something like live looping, for example. But um, yeah, for heavy metal, I don't know. I feel like I want to be there in the front row, like windmilling or whatever, throwing my horns up. <laughs> okay, now I got to ask before we get to the album, what happened to your hair, man? <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I'm a windmilling. I mean, it's kind of. You can still windmill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but. yeah. Um, I just felt uh, I, I got a haircut that I wasn't happy with, and it was this weird mid length. And I just thought, totally you know, relatable. I totally get to understand how that feels. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, I didn't have a proper hairdresser to kind of fix it or anything, obviously, because all the hairdressers were closed and barbers were closed. So I was just, you know, I've just bought some clippers when I was, uh, you know. No, no, no more perfect time to do it, I think, than to test it out, see what the short hair looks like, uh, you know, when you're in isolation. And I wasn't posting any photos myself or anything like that. 
Bro, the pigtails that you had were spot on, man. If you ever decide to bring those back, I'm I'm a huge fan about that. That's that's so great. It's it's different from the usual uh, heavy metal singer or just a or just a lead vocalist in in the in the scene. Perhaps I thought that was that was so that was great. I love that. Uh, it was it was quite fun and like um, Booker, the keyboardist in our band, like she. Yeah. No one else in the band knew how to do the, the plats or pigtails or whatever. And so, like, that was our pre-show ritual hangout where she'd always give me the plats and we'd have a bit of a chat and get on stage. So, yeah, that was kind of nice. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. All right. All right. Now, I promise we'll talk about the record. Okay. So, how does Survivor Funeral, you know, it's moved up to, well, now July 19th, correct? It's not July 24th anymore? Yes, it's not. I think oh, you'll have to double check that. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, for, like, Amazon and iTunes, it's July 19th. On, on, yeah, it's, and it's on Grayscale Records, correct? Uh, Grayscale in Australia and Rise Records for the States and um, right. basically all, all areas outside of Australia. Yeah, Gotcha. So going into this record, you picked Soul, uh, Soul Decay, Drown With Me, and Erase Me. Why did you mm -hmm. pick those singles? Um, well, I really didn't. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay hey i think i did soul decay was soul decay released as a single because of the album delay because um, that was the third single that was released i don't know if that was intended or or what well basically there's a there's going to be a fourth single coming out like three days before the album release oh okay awesome or a couple of days before the album release i hope I don't, they haven't actually locked in a date as to when that's coming out but that's the other one that we've done a music video for and like in my opinion that's the best one on the record um that's about to be released Right. Uh, and that was the sort of one that we all agreed was kind of the best track on the record just because we all felt that it had like a lot of elements that, um, you know, borrowed from like, you know, older, older, kind of like had, had a bit of our older sound and a bit of a newer sound as well and still super heavy and just, you know, um, so we all really liked that song. But yeah, in terms of the other songs, so um, I actually didn't really want to release the only song of those that i did want to release was drown with me and that's just because i wanted to put out a really heavy track because i felt like the other two tracks um were kind of not necessarily decided by um well they didn't have my vote anyway as as being songs to really release like soul decay and erase me for me they were kind of like um maybe uh like kind of like radio more radio friendly for us anyway like right. you put perspective obviously but um yeah but um i understand the reason why um people made the decision to release those and stuff it just wasn't my um personal opinion but having said that and gone back and i realized that release uh, erase me was a really solid choice for that um i think yeah if, if we'd put out soul decay first it also would have been a different story but like i mean the bottom line is is like i think this is an album where you really want to be listening to it from front to back, you know what I mean? Rather than releasing individual tracks because there's so much variance throughout the album. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's pretty difficult um, choosing which songs are gonna be singles and when they're gonna come out and stuff like that. And, um, you know, the way we thought about it was basically, well, you know, it's basically a win-win situation because at the end of the day, at least once they all come out, um, you know, people will have heard the, uh, the full record. And, you know, I think the record itself um stands up pretty well um compared to the rest of our discography and stuff so i mean some people are always going to say oh you should have released a heavier one there or you should have released a poppier one there or whatever but like there's no right or wrong way to do it it's just a matter of um you know i guess you just gotta 
um, roll the punches and throw something at the wall until it sticks, I guess, in terms of uh, the release strategy. Hey, man, yeah. that comes with uh, being an artist. And you, and I think you guys have pretty much nailed it on the head with the sound that you guys have. You, you found your identity. I mean, that's that's straight and front and foremost. I think that does, that's great. You talked about in an, another interview, I can't remember which one, but you talked about bringing in elements that you have never done before, refining your pre-existing sound. Was that challenging to do? Because you still want to stay true to your roots, I'm, I'm assuming, you know? And uh, it was, and you guys came to the studio. I think you had like three songs written. Like, how was that? Was that like? I feel like you guys kind of just put yourself up at at this time. It's like, okay, look, we got a work cut out for us. Let's let's do this and let's get it done. Yeah, um, yeah. The songs came together pretty easily, actually. Um, for whatever reason, I think it was you know working with Drew, who was the producer on the record. Um, Drew Falk, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was a really fantastic. Um, facilitator of ideas and kind of mediator between um the main writing forces of the band and he kind of it was almost like any idea that um that one of us had where traditionally in the past it would probably be shut down by the other member or whoever we may be working with at the time whereas um on this record he kind of made a way uh he had a way of making basically any idea that anyone had work like a middleman yeah, exactly. He was the middleman, and he was he was really great at recontextualizing an idea and putting it to fit within a song. So, for that reason, I think like you, there's a lot of um, kind of new ideas on this record and new elements that have been utilized, um, just purely because you know he he was he facilitated that and yeah allowed our uh, ideas to be heard. Yeah. Great. By the way, Sean, let me know how we're doing on time. So I want to be respectful of that. And when you write when you write the lyrics, you talked about having Booker being present when you write when you write the lyrics. Is that true? Is that how it's? Is that um, the, are you comfortable with that system? Yeah, uh, yeah. We we well that was for Erase Me was the only song that she was present for okay, because okay. it was a big um, kind of vocal part for her and really wanted her to feel uh, a little bit more involved and have a bit more of an emotional attachment to the lyrics as well as. Um, you know, being able to, you know, go through with a fine tooth comb and work out like what is the, you know, best melody that's going to work for her voice that she's going to get the most optimal performance. Because we don't necessarily want to be a band where she's going to be, um, you know, we don't want to have an album of, of 10 songs that's like, you know, screaming versus book a clean vocals. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and even when there are clean vocals in our music, sometimes it's like a big chorus, like, uh, like a raise me. Well, then yeah. sometimes where it's, it's something that's a little bit more, we're using her as a bit of a pad or something like that, just like a more ambient element. You know what I mean? So for that song, um, we wanted to have a, a, a big belty chorus from her. And, uh, yeah, so it just kind of worked out that that was the best way to go about it, to write with her and have her, um, more involved in stuff, which was, yeah, it was, it was very fun. And like, we both kind of found a way of making the lyrics work, although they, they took on a different meaning for both of us. It was kind of relatable to both of us at the same time, which was, yeah. So that, and that's what I heard in, in singles that you've, that you've had out already. Is there a theme? A theme for a theme. the record? Yeah. Just a record as a whole. Is there a theme that you're aiming for? Um, I or, guess... or how about this? How about this? To what level do you like to have a theme for your records? I mean, how important are themes? Is that more about helping you guys write sound or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs and that's it, which is fine. More power to them. But Mm. coming from just everything you're saying, I feel like you would have a really strong opinion on that. 
Um, well, it's not as if, I mean, kind of in the, in the years leading up to an album, you just have a collection of ideas, right? And for me, like those ideas are mostly lyrical or um, in terms of imagery and stuff like that. And then when you're in the studio for a month writing an album, all those kind of ideas and those little weird, um, you know, notepad text documents you had in your phone that was just like half a sentence or whatever, and they all kind of come together in this um, in this one record essentially. And I, uh, I mean, compared to our previous uh, records, particularly like our first and second, that were super conceptual and um, I had a storyline that sort of flowed through them and actual characters, and it was quite a narrative. Um, this is nothing like that. This is very much so like a, a more honest sort of cathartic um, album. But I wouldn't say that it, it's it's not without a theme. I guess um, there's definitely a an energy and um, certain kind of keywords and images that seem to kind of run throughout the record. Um, for me, that's kind of like. Uh, what we were sort of looking at for the record is is death and um, basically finding, well, to, I mean, to me it's interesting, death is interesting because it's it can be beautiful in a lot of senses in, this, in, in the sense that, um, you know, in, in life, you know, people can have their differences and um, be in turmoil and conflict and all sorts of stuff and then, in death, it's this massive equalizer where everyone's on equal footing there. You know, when, when someone passes away, you yeah. know, everyone's got loved ones, family, friends, and a life and a, and a legacy and, and memories that they carry with them. You know what I mean? And so I, I like, I think that's a beautiful sentiment that, you know, death is this massive equalizer for everyone. You know what I mean? It's kind of an irony, isn't it? With everything that's going on in the world, how to survive a funeral. Like it's, it. You know, perfect timing as a blessing in disguise. You know, uh, for lack of a better term, but it, yep. it's it's definitely interesting. Also, another interesting thing about it, which I didn't know, Never mm. Bloom and Old Souls. Did you say those were concept albums? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well, we'll talk about this later because I had Paul from the Wise Men's Fear on our show a couple of weeks ago, and uh, right. he he has something for me to ask you. So I'll I'll get to that in just a okay. second. Okay. Um, yeah. Just a couple of questions here. So. Have your aspirations as a person or band, have they changed or evolved since when you first started in the industry? Do you see things differently now? Massively. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, when we first started the band, my goal was to play at the YMCA HQ, which is our local all-ages venue, which was just a skate park with a band room that could fit 200 people, you know. And that yeah. was like my goal, was to play that. And now it's like... I don't even know what my goal is anymore, but I guess it's probably to um, find, you know, uh, well, I still, there's still a couple sort of iconic bands that I want to play with. And then, um, you know, certain parts of the world that we haven't hit yet, like India, um, Mexico and stuff like that. We haven't played. So Dude, India fans are crazy about metal music, man. You're going to have a great reception there. Trust me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, so, so that would be really exciting for me is to see more of the world from it. But, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately I think my main goal at the moment is to enjoy it because for a period of time there, it felt like it became very much so about the business and success of the band and stuff. And I've had to sort of take a step back and kind of appreciate what we've done with it and what we have and to really enjoy, um, the bit, the aspects of it that I like. I'm, I'm personally actually not that massive on, um, 
the touring side of things just because I enjoy the stability of being at home and seeing friends and family and stuff like that. It's, it's wonderful being able to see all these places. But for me, the real reward comes out of the writing process and um, being able to show people something that I've written, something I've created. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that is just something that I've, you know, maybe potentially felt as if I um, haven't appreciated it uh, as, as much as I do now. Um, and yeah, so I guess my main goal recently with Make Them Suffer is to just really enjoy what we're doing with it and to um, not take anything for granted. That's probably the biggest thing for me. Mm. Yeah. Real quick, how much time do you have? Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, okay. Okay, because we're getting to the fun part here. Okay, so before I get to that part, because um, you're going to love it, I want to yeah. talk about the metal scene in Australia because you, know, you guys come from an area which has – some of the you know parkway drive like for obvious reasons you know we had a virgin's crown on our show a couple couple weeks ago polaris die artist murder the red shore a lot of bands like how is the metal scene like in australia is it is it growing is it i mean are you guys having different newer bands coming out of the woodworks left and right and does it feel like you guys are setting an example also for them um i don't know if we necessarily feel like we're setting an example for them but certainly um i mean yeah, Australian heavy metal and like metalcore specifically is is you know it's had a bit of a boom for the last couple of years. I feel like three or four years maybe, um, and yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it feels like there's new bands popping up out of the woodwork all the time, and super talented bands as well. Um, it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, the Australian music scene. It's funny because, I mean, I imagine it's not necessarily the case with like maybe the US scene or something like that. But I mean, all the Australian bands know each other and there's like three heavy metal festivals that kind of, you know, they'll happen three times a year, once each per year, essentially in Australia. And you play one of them and you just go there and it's like, oh, everyone's there. And that's your like annual catch up with them sort of thing. And you just know everyone. So it's, it's kind of cool like that. Um, there is a really um, great sense of community amongst the Australian metal scene, which is, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. But yeah, I think it's 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 rad to see more bands popping up, um, and you know I hope it continues to do so because um, you know I think it would be a real shame to see like guitar-driven music and like heavy music kind of fizzle out or die. Um, and it's you know it's been a shame when you know the government in Australia has closed like a lot of all-ages venues, which was when you know the metal scene was really you know way back in two thousand and seven eight sort of thing. And everyone was going to all these all ages shows and um, had a much younger demographic. But then when they shut all the all ages venues, you kind of saw that, you know, um, the metal demographic sort of began from the ages of 18 upwards is the people you'd see at shows essentially. I mean, I'm sure people were listening from home and stuff like that, but, you know, less and less probably, I think. And so, yeah, I think it's important that, you know, we're always encouraging new bands to um, start up and tour and play shows and stuff. It's, it's great. And I want to see that kind of, I want to see the Australian scene um, thrive and continue to thrive as much as it has been. So yeah. Is was is there a festival that's in the middle of nowhere? I, Mick Jeffrey was on my show and he he was talking about some metal festival in Australia that's like in the middle of like the desert or something like that. And it's I think it happens yearly. Do you recall anything like that? Or am uh, I hearing things? <laughs> Unify Fest, um, and that's in the countryside. Um, okay. It's like amongst, uh, it's an agricultural area with like, um, you know, I'm trying to think which one it was, but I think that was it. But it, yeah, he, he talked to me about, about this festival that a lot of the metal bands, and which is great. I love, I love hearing that 
you know, uh, a country like not known for their metal scene, it's it's growing, you know, and it's I, yeah. it's just one of the prime examples about the community just growing. And metal is only what fifty years old, maybe even just maybe just a little bit tad older than that, but yeah. it's uh, it's it's a growing genre of music, and it's that was just great to hear about the community and over there. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, what about any other interest that doesn't involve music that feeds your creativity within the band? You have anything like that? Cooking or reading or <laughs> you're smiling about cooking. <laughs> I like I like uh, I like playing games sometimes. Yeah. Video games, awesome. What yeah. are you playing right now? I mean, re recently I've actually been playing uh, World of Warcraft Classic, which is yeah, um, pretty a pretty sweaty game. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, but then before that, I was playing uh, like I love the uh, Bloodborne and Dark Souls series, which is yeah, that were that were cool. And then I was playing League of Legends before that. I used to play StarCraft two in um, tournaments because I was in the top division for that and stuff. Wow. And then I got a bit older and I couldn't click as fast. I didn't have like 150 APM anymore, um, so yeah, stopped playing that. Yeah, I, I've always generally liked like RTS games, so like where you're controlling an army and a base and stuff. Um, they've always been pretty cool. Like, they're more RPGs generally. But, yeah. Man, we could go on forever about the video game thing. Trust me. Now, uh, we're going to get to this part. This is called a hot seat. Hot seat. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to call out some lyrics here, okay? I want to see if you know your own songs. Okay. okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go off easy. You'll, you'll probably get this anyway, so, um, <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now you're smiling ear to ear, so proud to be wasted down and out. Until you face your fears, you'll never find yourself. Uh, so okay? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Got you there. <laughs> you're like, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to go in different order. Sinking into the shadows, my layers peel and crumble, drifting past days anew, a transient being passing through. So, yeah, no. Threads? Yeah, man, you got that. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that, that progression that you got. Yeah, you got it. Two for two. Yeah. All right. Uh, watching our days, watching our days go by, boiling with hatred. I can't find the answers to all the lies you once clung to. Timeless? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah you're good. <laughs> See, you're fine. You're worried about that for a second, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay we, some of the older lyrics are, are kind of yeah tough to get but yeah i'm having you like rethink your set list now huh you got all the time now so we'll see <laughs> <laughs> all right but through it all you managed i left you bruised and battered took you for granted took advantage and vanished love that uh, line. save yourself yeah great yeah. song all right drowning the lands before the infinite sorrow suffocating ourselves to hide the pain uh, Weeping Wastelands. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you're good. You know your songs. You're good. All right. <laughs> now, this last one. Yeah. There's going to be a story behind this. Yeah. I think I, already, I think I already gave that away. Shattered the fragments of my life lay scattered, engulfed beneath the shadows of my forever. I am broken. I'm throwing it way back. Affliction of the Dead? Yeah, man, that's good. Okay, yeah. now, having said that, Lord of Woe. So Paul from the Wise Men's Sphere, like I mentioned before, was on my show a couple weeks ago. Great guy. I mean, we could have talked about video games like we just did now for about an hour. Um, yeah, cool. So so their new album, you know, they had a concept, and when you talked about 
you having concept for your first two albums that kind of just tied things together. Paul wanted to know the story behind Lord of Woe because he's fascinated by it. What do you have to say? Oh, man. Because <laughs> now you got me thinking too. Yeah, well, I mean, I wrote all that stuff quite a while ago. Um, I guess, well, <laughs> the thing with Lord of War is that he's based basically off um, Arthas from Warcraft 3. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, uh, I guess, well, he kind of, Man, I, I, I honestly, I don't know if I could necessarily <laughs> summarize the story, and it's been so long. I mean, I don't even think about it anymore. Um, but yeah, I guess this is the hot seat question, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 difficult. It's difficult. No, go away. Okay. Um. So just so just like describe the story of him. Is that kind of? Yeah, he was he was asking what the story is behind it behind it because because it, it was really something that was intriguing to him. Um, well, it's just basically, um, this guy who's, um, uh, I don't know. He's been in, uh, you know, he's had a lot of like pain and torment through his life. And, um, so has sort of, um, devolved into this creature or being, um, that is, you know, just like kind of this dark entity that, um, you know, he, there's been events and people that he's loved, like, for example, there's the character Morrow and he used to, um, you know, they used to have a thing or whatever you want to put it. And then, um, then you know, through her, her betrayal uh, of him, um, you know, he, he, you know, further devolved into uh, darkness and, um, you know, basically um, wreaked havoc upon the lands, um, destroyed kingdoms and, forests and um became this became this sort of like powerful uh sort of like deity like this big dark deity sort of thing and um yeah he's kind of still alive in the world today like his presence is still there and he can be seen as you know other entities ghosts shadows however you want to put it but that character sort of creeps into um, like most of our music. Man, I feel like I tapped into just a whole different dimension of Sean with that question <laughs> altogether. <laughs> you're like, now I have to, now you're going to start thinking of concept albums. You know, it's it's uh, it was cool seeing you on the Firefall music video you guys did uh, with yeah. the Wise Man's Fear. That was, that was so awesome. Just, I love that the support that you guys give each other. So that was great. So, yeah, hey, Paul, I, Paul, if you're listening, I, I hope you got your answer. Yeah. Um, uh, moreover, I think you'll be, contacting sean immediately after this so <laughs> so uh I mean, paul, paul paul and i've been friends for a while and um you know we've we've talked about that stuff before and i know that he's a he's a massive fan of um the band of the lyrics and i think um some of the other guys from a wise man's fear um yeah pretty the the concept side of making suffer as well so yeah it's cool Hi, Paul. yeah 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 i i asked paul about you know about shout outs like towards the end of the interview we always do shout outs and he shout out out to you uh, sean oh, you know yeah. and so he, he was talking about how it was just great to work with you and um maybe you guys can collaborate on a project something concept i'm just throwing that out there just yeah, saying yeah. you know because i feel like you guys have just so much conceptual elements in your minds you can just put out there that i feel i mean i'm a fan of the music so you already have an endorser right here so 
having said that, um, you know, do you have any you have any shout outs for anything right now before we end things well, up? I any did, plugs? I didn't shout out Paul in a wise man's fear. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, shout out to my mum. Shout out to Ed, whose um, 30th birthday is coming up soon, uh, next week. And then a shout out to um, uh, shout out to the Savior guys. They're always homies for us. Uh, shout out to uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. Yeah, shout out to Dad. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Just start listening off. <laughs> And everyone who's listening, uh, How to Survive a Funeral for Make Them Suffer out to July 19th, digital, correct? Because yeah. it's been, right? That's that's the actual date, correct? I believe so, yeah. How to Survive a Funeral will be out July 19th on Grayscale and Rise Records. Uh, fans are listening. Support this band. Uh, you know, buy the album, stream it. You know, they'll be on the road, hopefully, as soon as this thing is over. I mean, I don't know when it's going to be over, but as soon as you know. And... Uh, Sean, man, thank you so much for everything. Hopefully, you know, we get to do, maybe we'll do the hot wing challenge if you guys come right. to Dallas and then we can we can actually start bringing that back. So uh, <laughs> appreciate you, Sean. I'll see you next time, bro. Thanks, honey. Appreciate it, man. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.